Okay, I want to talk to you this morning uh, about strength, courage, and identity. Strength, courage, and identity. And one of the things I'm fascinated by in the scriptures is how often God would show up to ordinary men and he would essentially tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what I have for you. And so often when God would appear to an ordinary man and say, this is what I have for you, that man responded in such a human way. And the response was, God, are you sure you have the right person? God, are you sure? Have you really thought this through, God? Because I don't know if you know this, but that Pharaoh was a pretty bad dude. And I'm not sure me, Moses, being a stutterer, really wants to go and deal with him. That's just one example. But again, over and over in the scriptures, we see God coming to these men and saying, this is what I have for you. And then those men saying, ha, 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 I don't know, God. I don't know. Are you sure? And then God's response is what's fascinating to me. Because these men had all the questions. And they would, they would express their questions to God. But God's response was, I'm going to be with you. He didn't always go through and answer their questions, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. He just said, I'm going to be with you. I'm sending you. Now go. I'm going to be with you. And the reason this is important for us as men today is because that's the same God we're following. If we're serious about following Christ, and if we're serious about keeping our eyes fixed on Him and following where He's going, every single one of us, no matter how old, Every single one of us, we're going to face situations where Jesus literally leads us into these situations, and he says, this is what I want you to do, and we're going to be like, oh, God, that seems like, are you sure? We're all going to face these situations that just, they just require strength and courage. They require grit. We just have to, we just have to at some point say, okay, I'm going to either engage from a place of strength and courage or I'm going to back off and retreat from a place of fear. It's just inevitable. Every single man here, we're going to have to face Goliath. We're going to have to face many Goliaths in our walk with God. And so the story with Gideon, I think, is so important because there are two things that rise to the surface that I want to highlight, that I think are crucial in order for us, when we come to those inevitable situations that require strength and courage and grit, there are two things that if we understand these two things, we're going to be really well positioned to engage from a place of strength rather than retreating from a place of fear. And so let's look at, let's look at some of this story of Gideon from Judges chapter 6. And just to provide a little bit of context, the Israelites are being oppressed by many foreign peoples, especially the Midianites. They're ravaging their crops. They're destroying basically everything they have. Their hand is heavy upon the Israelites. And eventually the Israelites, it's like the light bulb clicks on and they, they come to discover, oh, maybe we should start to pray. Maybe we should start to turn to God and ask God to save us. So that's what happens. They begin to pray and ask God to save them. And so God's answer comes in the form of an angel arriving and having a really interesting conversation with Gideon. Now Gideon, it's important to know, Gideon is hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. So it's safe to assume that he is very, very scared. He is dealing with some fear in his soul. 
because he's hiding and he doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want to be found out. He is very aware of the circumstances happening to the, uh, the Israelites. He has a lot of questions. God, where are you? Why is this happening, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? And, oh, by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to go out and face the Midianites. I'd rather hide. So a fearful Gideon hiding, going about his work. And the angel shows up, and in verse Let's start here in verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, now this is quite an entrance by the angel. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So there's some identity issues here happening with Gideon as well. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So again, we see that God doesn't answer all of his questions. He doesn't even go through and and say, okay, this is, he just says, I'm with you. I've chosen you. Now go. Now go. Now here's the two things that are crucial for us as men to understand. And the two things come from that phrase, the opening phrase that the angel spoke to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So the first one is a strong confidence in God's presence with us. The second one, mighty warrior, is a strong confidence in our God-given identity. When those two things are in place... Again, a strong confidence that God is literally with us. His presence is literally with us. And the second thing, when we have a strong confidence that what God has said about us, what he's declared about us as a man is true, we are going to be really well positioned again to engage these life circumstances from a place of strength and courage. So how do we grow? How do we grow in our confidence in God's presence? I don't know about you, but I think for, for me and for many men, when we're facing an uncertain situation and we feel like we might be in over our head and there might be some fear that begins to take grip of us, it's easy to begin to pray and say, God, I have a lot of questions. What about this, this, this? How are we going to pay for this? What's going to happen with my teenage? My, what's going to happen? We have all of these questions that we want God to answer. And God often responds by saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's easy to be like, okay, okay, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. But what about A, B, C, D, E, F, G? And God is like, no, 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 no. I'm with you. I'm with you. Have you ever had that situation where you have a lot of these questions for God and he just keeps bringing you back to this powerful truth that he's with us and he leaves us in a place where we have to just either prioritize 
the reality that he's with us or kind of dismiss it, push it to the side, and then prioritize all of our questions. God does this all the time. It happened to me just this summer. Just early June, I started getting sick. I started feeling really bad. And each day I started getting worse and worse and worse. And so about seven days in of continuously feeling worse, one night I'm having a hard time breathing. And I, I drove myself to the hospital in the middle of the night. I didn't realize this, but when I showed up, I guess I was blue. And my, ox, my oxygen levels were in the 40s. It was pretty bad news. And uh, this, was, this was kind of interesting. I, I probably shouldn't have driven, looking back. I know I shouldn't have driven. But I drove myself there. I stumbled out of my vehicle. I come up to the first person I see, which is the security guard at, at, at the ER. And he said, how can I help you? And I'm, again, loopy, and I just bend over the table, and I start giving him my full health history. I've had diarrhea for seven days, and it's bad. I just can't. I, and his eyes get so big. And he goes, dude, I'm just a security guard. <laughs> and the next thing I feel, I have this wheelchair behind me, and they wheel me into the emergency room, and they hook me up to all of this equipment, and I could tell it was, they could, it was urgent. And so they get my oxygen levels back up, my face goes back to a normal color, and they take x-rays, and they, they see that I have pneumonia. And so they admit me in the hospital and diagnose me with pneumonia. And so I, they were giving me treatment that day, and uh, all night they're giving me antibiotic treatment. And the next day, I'm feeling again worse. I just feel like I'm sliding, and I can't, I can't get the breakthrough. So they come in again the next day, and they take more x-rays. And the doctor walked in after the x-rays, after he had looked at the x-rays. And from the look in his eyes, I could tell this is not good. And he, and he said, your, uh, your lungs are significantly worse even after all the treatment. You're getting worse, and we don't know why, and we don't even know what's going on with you. And he said, I just want to be really frank with you that this is very, very serious. And so it was just me and my wife sitting there in the hospital room. And so she said, well, well what, what is it? She started pressing him a little bit. And he said, there are only four options of what could be going on in your lungs. There's only, there's only four options. Number one, your heart is filling your lungs with blood. Okay, I don't want that option. Number two, he said, it's pulmonary edema where your lungs are drowning. And that was the only, that was the only doctor comment. He said, God forbid, we don't want that. So I don't really want the first one either. He said the third option is that actually what we're seeing on the x-ray, those are cancerous cells, and your lungs are already full of them. Wow, well, what's the fourth option? I'm like, I don't know what the fourth option is, but I choose option four. And he said the fourth option is it's just really bad pneumonia. And so he said, we're going to find out today what it is. And he turned around and walked off. So my wife and I are sitting there, in complete silence, trying to process, whoa, what, what is happening? And then the next thing I was aware of is fear. The fear of, whoa, is this, I don't have control over this. In fact, any illusion of control in that moment was just pulled away. I realized I don't have control, <laughs> really, of my days. My days are numbered. 
And so shortly after they showed up, they picked me up, they took me down to the, the CAT scan machine, and they said, okay, lay down, put your hands above your head. And so I laid down, I tried to put my hands above my head, and I had this just excruciating pain. I couldn't even hardly breathe as they put me into the, for those of you who have had a CAT scan, you understand, you're in this small little chamber, and I was in excruciating pain. And it was in that moment, I wasn't even necessarily praying, I was just aware of the pain I was in. And it was in that moment when God spoke to me, and he said, I am with you, son. That's all he said is, I am with you, son. Yeah, God, but what is going to happen? What about this? What about that? And I prayed like crazy that afternoon. That's really good for your prayer life. I was praying like crazy. I had my questions for God and all of this. What is going to, can you assure me I'm going to be okay? What's going to happen? And he never, he never answered all of those questions I had. He continued to just say, I am with you, son. And the reason why is because he wanted me to make a big deal out of that. He wanted me to prioritize his presence over all of my questions about what was going to happen. Well, later that day, the Lord, during a time of prayer, actually, my good friend Matthew Tistammer, who's in the back, came in. He came in, and he laid his hands on me and prayed for me. And it was significant. I could tell the Holy Spirit in that moment was doing something significant. And almost immediately, I could tell, I'm feeling better. Now, I'm not up dancing, you know, but I, I could tell that was the breakthrough moment. I continued to get better that day. They came back in the next day and said, okay, it is pneumonia. It's a bad double viral pneumonia, but it is pneumonia. And uh, the healing was accelerated. And then, long story short, I ended up uh, being released that very next day from the hospital. And on my way out, the nurse looked at me and said, I have never seen somebody recover so quickly from where you were Thursday to where you are Saturday. And I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. So I'm convinced he touched my body and he healed me in that time. But what I want to highlight about that story, again, is how he, he wouldn't answer all my questions, but he would say, I am with you. I am with you. And now, going forward, I'm going to be able to go back to this story. Because, again, how do we grow in our confidence in God's presence? Well, I'm going to go back to the story, and I'm going to say, well, I remember the time when I felt awful, and I was in fear, and I had all of these questions. And God would just say, I'm with you. And then he came through with his faithfulness, and he healed me. And the more I meditate and remember his faithfulness from that story, it's going to grow my confidence moving forward. And every single one of you have stories and examples of when God was faithful to you. One of the key ways for us to grow in our confidence in God's presence is remember those stories. 
Be intentional. Go back in your story. Reflect upon the times when God has been faithful to you, when you were facing a difficult situation, when you were in fear, and God in his beautiful faithfulness appeared to you and said, I'm really with you, and he came through for you. Remember those times. There's a reason so often in the scriptures God would have the Israelites do something to build some kind of memorial to say, hey, remember, remember my faithfulness, and then tell your kids about it. Tell your kids about it. The other way we can grow in our confidence in God's presence is when we wake up in the morning, let's, let's start to celebrate the reality that he's with us. Let's make a big deal out of that. Let's renew our minds and remember, wow, this is quite awesome, that the same Holy Spirit that carved those mountaintops, the same Holy Spirit that put the stars in the sky, the same Holy Spirit that literally hovered over the waters at creation in Genesis 1, yeah, that Holy Spirit, He's in you. What if that would be the first thing we're aware of when we wake up in the morning? When we begin to actually celebrate how amazing it is that the Holy Spirit, the all-powerful, all-knowing Holy Spirit resides within us as Christ followers. I think that's why God keeps saying, hey, I'm with you. Because we don't quite understand how significant it is that the Holy Spirit is with us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. So I think God is patient, and he'll keep coming back. I'm with you. I'm with you. And for me, eventually, it took a while, but eventually it clicked to say, oh, this is a big deal. The Holy Spirit is with me. So those two things will help us grow in our confidence in his presence, remembering his faithfulness in the past, and then beginning to celebrate his presence throughout the day. Okay, how do we grow in our confidence in our identity? This is a big deal, too. It is so important for us to go after, to intentionally go after the truth of what God says about us. Do you know God has a lot to say about you? Psalm 139, you are his masterpiece. He knit you together in your mother's womb. There is, your life is oozing with purpose. And I guarantee as I say that, the enemy is pushing back against that. But God has knit you together, and he has some things that are very specific that he wants to speak over your life regarding identity. And they might be things that seem so counterintuitive to your life experiences. If you think about Gideon, again, hiding, afraid, and the angel of the Lord says, you're a mighty warrior. What? I come from the weakest family. I'm the least in my family. And yet, God, you're telling me I'm a mighty warrior? Yep. We could go on and on about David being in the the field, the least in his family. God shows up, taps him on the shoulder and says, okay, get ready. I've chosen you. But we have to go after this truth of what God says about us. We have to be intentional because it's not a surprise that there's a battle happening over your identity, right? Jesus called the devil the accuser of the brethren. So God has so much to say about who you are as a man, who he created you to be, and what's true about your life. But the enemy is the accuser, and he has a lot to say too. And so a key in life is discerning, okay, what is the enemy? 
and what is truth. God only speaks truth. The devil only speaks lies. But the devil is pretty good at using life circumstances to get his message across, isn't he? And those messages oftentimes get pretty deeply embedded in our soul. And then we find ourselves in situations where we, we know something up here, but down here it's so hard to believe because there are things that have been lodged so deep in us regarding our identity. Maybe it's that you don't measure up. Maybe it's that you're a failure. Maybe that it's something is wrong with you, but these things can be so deep and they can be so subtle and they can be so subconscious, but they can make such a significant impact on how we live our lives. But here's the good news. God is a master. He is absolutely brilliant at beginning to reveal lies that we've believed and replacing them with truth. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, and that means with your identity and what you've believed about yourself that isn't true and what he wants to come and show you about you that is true. He is, he is so, so amazing at doing this. And it's a, it's a personal process. This is what's so intriguing about it, that there's no formula to it. It's walking with the Holy Spirit and having that intimacy with the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit, cultivating ears that listen and hear, and then watching what He does regarding revealing the lies, teaching you to reject and renounce those lies, and then open your heart up to the truth that He wants to embed so deep within you. It is an awesome process. And God has had me, on multiple occasions over the years, He's had me go through seasons where I was being really intentional to say, okay, God, begin to reveal lies that I've believed. What are some of the lies that I might not even be aware of that have been lodged within me? And what I discovered every single time is he was faithful to begin to reveal these lies. And then he would show me the truth to that lie. He would speak right directly to it. Now, this is not something that we can rush through. This is not like I'm going to sit down and have a 20-minute time and, okay, everything's good. This is, I'm talking about a process that goes for months where we as men say, I'm going to be so intentional to go after truth regarding identity. And so what I did, it was so simple. I just took a little three-by-five note card. And on one side, I said, okay, I'm just going to begin in time to list out some of the lies that the Holy Spirit reveals. Then on the other side of the note card, for each one. I took my time with it. I would look at the lie and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what's the truth that you want to speak regarding identity on this issue? And if I didn't hear anything, I'd stay with it. I'd stay with it. And sure enough, he would begin to speak truth. And so then it was, it was a matter of saying, okay, you know, praying, declaring this lie that I've believed, some of them from the time I was so young, I renounce, I reject this lie. And I receive the truth. I declare the truth of what God says about this. And that's the process of renewing the mind. Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what I did. I renewed my mind. I declared the truth. I filled my heart and my mind with the truth. And there's a battle that goes there. There's a battle. But if you stay with it, you're going to find that the truth begins to completely set you free, just like Jesus said. It's the truth that will set a man free. So I want to encourage you to, to try that. Engage that process. 
ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal what are the lies that have been maybe deeply embedded in your heart. Write them down. Then take your time. Spend time with God. Ask Him to begin to speak to each one of those, one by one by one. And He will. He'll be faithful. So in closing, when it comes to hearing God speak to you, hearing what God has to say about you, what you'll see on, the, on each of the tables is a list of identity scriptures. There's 30, I believe there's like 32 scripture verses that deal with your identity in Christ. And as you look at those, some of those may not feel true, just regarding your story, what you've been through, what you've come to believe about yourself. But this is what God declares about you because of Christ Jesus. He says, you are more than a conqueror. You are a son. There is no condemnation. So what I want to encourage you to do is take this list. Begin reading through these. Begin praying these over your life. Begin declaring these over your life. And then what you'll do is that's a good foundation to begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen to what the Holy Spirit is uniquely saying about you. How is the Holy Spirit taking these truths and uniquely revealing them to you so you come to believe what He's saying about you? But as we prioritize these two things, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. As we grow in our confidence of God's presence, that He literally is with us, and as we grow in our confidence in our God-given identity, that what He says about us is true, again, that's what will position us to be able to respond from a place of strength and courage. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for every man in this room. I'm just so aware that it's so true that you have knit each man together. You have formed each man. You have breathed the breath of life into each man. Each man is loved, honored. Each man was created for a great purpose, which you will reveal in the context of relationship. So God, grow our awareness of you on a daily basis. Increase our awareness when we're at work, when we're with our families. Make us aware of the reality of your presence on very seemingly average days. God, help us to go back in our story and and remember the times that you've been faithful. And as we do, let this confidence grow deep within us, this confidence in your presence, this confidence in who you are in us. And God, give us ears to hear what you're declaring over us, what you're speaking over us, the identity that you want to reveal. Sharpen our discernment as we recognize the voice of the enemy and the lies and the accusations. And give us ears to hear the voice of truth of what you're declaring over us.
Amen. I want to invite you just to open up your hands. Let's ask for a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, the men of our church, I, my hope is that every man in our church lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by the power of our own strength and ideas. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for a fresh infilling of your Spirit. We cannot do what you've called us to do in our own power, in our own ideas, in our own strength. We are so dependent on the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So, fill us in a fresh way. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill every man in this room in a fresh way. Breathe the fresh breath of life into his soul. Men who are discouraged in this season, men who have questions of their own, men who are, are, are confused and feel overwhelmed, breathe a fresh breath of life into them. Fix their eyes on you. What I'm aware of even in this moment is that the Holy Spirit is revealing that there are men here who feel like, just like Gideon had all those questions, well, God, if you're with me, then why, 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 why? That there are men here who have the same questions. Okay, if God is with me, why, 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 why? And I believe what the Holy Spirit's highlighting is don't get so far ahead of yourself. Guard your mind so you don't play out all these hypothetical situations. Come back to today. Focus on his presence, and that'll be enough. And then when you wake up tomorrow, don't allow your mind to play out all of these hypothetical scenarios. Focus on his presence and focus on today. Each and every single day, his grace is enough. His grace is sufficient for the day. Jesus, help us to walk with such clarity, only taking it a day at a time, truly walking with your presence and allowing you to do what only you can do in us and through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen.